Rent, a musical podcast. The podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the boyfriend. And I'm Drew. And this week we are going back in time. Yes, indeed. We're escaping the decoms. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think were that much of a calamity. Ha ha ha. I quite enjoyed Hannah Montana. I, I, I still maintain that was quite fun. I know. We're staying in the in the south for this episode as well. Yes, Calamity Jane. Yes, indeed. I have seen bits of this one. Really? Or like songs of this one at like the proms. Mm-hmm. Or I think Encore did an episode on Calamity Jane. I can't remember. You are wrong. But... What am I mistaking it for? You are mistaking it for the thing that this wants to be. Which is... So the reason... Oh, this, Annie, get your gun. Yeah, the reason this musical got made is because Warner Brothers could not get the rights to make a film of Annie, get your gun. Yeah. So they bought the historic rights to Calamity Jane, who was a real person. So everything I'm thinking of is just Annie, get your gun. Yeah. Okay, cool. So this wasn't a stage show first. This is a yep. movie musical that Warner Brothers made. Because mm-hmm. all, all good things come in pairs. Yeah. We had Deep Impact and Armageddon. Mm-hmm. We had Dante's Peak and Volcano. All these things always come in pairs for you to kind of be like, well, yeah, but this one was better. Mm-hmm. So this would have released around the same time as Annie Get Your Gun as a film? No. Oh, okay. No, this is before, but only because nobody was getting the rights to Annie Get Your Gun okay. at this time. You just cool. couldn't. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So this came out in 1953. Yep. It is in glorious Technicolor. One of your favourite things. It's my favourite thing. And it is loosely, so loosely based on the life of Calamity Jane and Wild Bill Hickok. Okay. Who were both... Outlaws. No. Who, oh. like, lived in the Old West. Yes. I don't know how to... Uh, Explain what they are without giving spoilers, basically. Was she a sheriff? No. Okay. You know who's in this movie? Who? I'm just asking. Do you know I literally know nothing about this oh, Because okay. I thought we were going to talk about Annie Get Your Gun, apparently. Yeah, clearly. So this movie stars Doris Day. Cool. Yeah. This is the first time we've watched a Doris Day. I think it is the first yes, time she's cropping it up. it is. And Howard Keel. I don't know who that is. You will... I mean... He's a baritone, but the biggest thing he's kind of known for is he was in Dallas, the TV series. Yeah. Which would have been after this. Oh, yeah, way after this. He was in a load of MGM musicals in the 50s, and then he was in Dallas from 1981 to 1991. But he had been in Carousel. He was in Oklahoma. What, the one we watched? No. Okay. No, no, these are like the stage versions. Okay. Yeah, he was yeah. in those. Uh, he was in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I've seen that South Pacific, film. My Fair Lady. Who's Henry Higgins in My Fair oh, Lady? Okay, yeah. cool. And White Christmas, all on stage. Those are all the, his stage accolades. Yes, so he's very, very accomplished. Mm-hmm. And what films has he done at this point? Is this his kind of debut film? Uh, no, his musical film debut was in Annie Get Your Gun. <laughs> But you just said no one was getting your rights to Annie Get Your Gun. No. 
There had been a movie of Annie Get Your Gun okay. before this. Annie Get Your Gun came out in 1950. The reason why nobody was getting the rights to it is because the film had just come out. Okay. So when Warner Brothers were looking to buy the rights... The film was already... There was already a film. Yeah. And it was just a really weird situation where they were like, oh, we want to make Annie Get Your Gun too. <laughs> and the people who own the rights were like, no. Because <laughs> the film just came out. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, this is a very weird situation. It is. He was also in Showboat. He was in Callaway Went That Away, which is a musical comedy flop that he was in. That was like his first flop, which is hilarious. And then in Kiss Me Kate, which is fantastic, and at some point we open a watch. However, he then was also in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, the movie. Which I have seen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Not on this podcast. Just... No. So, you know pre this podcast but have seen good yeah i guess it is pre the podcast christmas 2019 yeah back when the world was normal and the future was bright (laughs) obviously watching seven brides for seven brothers ruined everything no it was cats that ruined everything (laughs) okay sure sure people decided that after that they didn't want to go back to the cinemas anymore yeah Basically. Okay, so Doris Day, is she kind of at her peak at this point? Obviously, I know that she's very, very famous. Is this a a film that she's done at the peak of her fame? Is this on her ascent to fame? Or is this just riding a wave? Her acting career started in 1948. And this isn't until 1953. So she's already been in a whole bunch of movies. One or two per year. Yes. Until this point. None of which I have seen. So this is perhaps her biggest film to date then? I mean, if you ask me, yes. But probably not. No, I mean, obviously she's going to have got this off the back of something. Yeah. But she is, at this point, already very famous. Yeah. People know who she is. She's sort of a a Hollywood darling. However, this movie is one of the ones that sort of thrust her into the big limelight. Yes. Incidentally, came out the same year as Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Which, which she's also in. She's not in. Marilyn Monroe is uh, in. Okay. But that sort of, at the same time, her and Marilyn Monroe got really big. Yeah. Sort of together, which is great. Okay. So this one is very much a reaction. It's a, okay, we can't do this, so let's make something better. Who are the musicians behind this one then? This is by William Jacobs, who produced it, written by James O'Hanlon, who basically, from what I could find, just did this. I don't really know anything about yeah. him. And Ray Heindorf, who worked on a bunch of different things. But his uh, biggest known scored musical is The Music Man. Ooh, okay. Yeah. bit <laughs> controversial. Yeah. But, so he's not a, just a... Calamity Jane, one and done. Mm. He has other uh, musicals to his CV. Yeah. And you can basically just name like any Golden Age film, not even necessarily musical, and he scored it. So he did the musical direction for the Judy Garland Star is Born. Nice. He did the musical direction and music for A Streetcar Named Desire. The jazz singer, Calamity Jane, and then... Things like 42nd Street, Damn Yankees, The Music Man. Like, 
So very, very accomplished. Yeah, very accomplished, very prolific, worked with a lot of big names over the years. But yeah, he, um, and when he died, they buried him with his conducting baton, which is really cute and a little bit weird, but you know. No one else is going to get it. Fair enough. Bury me with my sketchbook, you know. Which one? (laughs) All of them. (laughs) I know nothing about the plot to this one. Well, considering it's a response to Annie Get Your Your Gun, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know much about the plot to Annie Get Your Gun. That's fine. I feel like they're bandits of some sort. Okay. So, like, Annie Oakley helps keep stagecoaches safe. Like, she's seen as a reputable hand. Yeah. So I feel like Calamity Jane is very much the same. Like, maybe she's somebody who is seen as a good gunslinger who... You know, goes well. Maybe she's not as good. Maybe that's where the name Calamity comes in. That maybe she's no good at what she's supposed to do. So she'll try to keep the stagecoaches safe and bandits and keep the town safe from the evil cowfolk. But just not very good at it. Makes a bit of a calamity. Really interesting, Rue. You just described the plot of uh, Calamity Jane, not Annie Gets Your Gun. Okay. Like, Annie, get your gun. She's not on a stagecoach. That's Calamity Jane. Okay. So you're, like, sort of mixing everything you know about the two of them into one nice big pot. Fair. So, yeah, she's she's her job is, is to, to look after the stagecoaches then. Yeah. And she'll accompany them as they go from place to place. Mm-hmm. Is she good at it? Maybe not. And maybe she's going to learn to be better as the, the musical goes along. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. Sure. So... A couple of things to address before we watch this. Yes. Number one, this is an Old West movie. It was made in the 50s. It has some really poor views of Native American people. Yeah. Because it's an Old West movie and it's the these are just racist things. There's more we can talk about once we've watched it, but that's just... It's outdated. It's... Yeah. 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 Very... Also, Calamity Jane was a real woman. She, from what historians can find, had no romantic relationship with the male counterpart in this movie. Um, they knew each other, but yeah. like at the very most were acquaintances. Yes. They were not lovers from what people could find. And also, she, she basically saved her family when, at the age of 14. She never... Uh, had any education. Her family moved all over the place when she was a child. The first place they moved to, her mother died. Then they moved again to Salt Lake City and her father died. Jeez. So she, at the age of 14, took her six siblings and moved them across the country so that they could survive. And she had just about every job you could ever think of. But she was a whole bunch of different things from a, a scout for Fort Russell she was an ox team driver. She was a nurse at one point, a dance hall girl, a waitress, a cook, a dishwasher, and a sex worker, which is very cool. Wow. Yeah. She's busy. Would the film touch on any of that at all? Or oh, no, of course like not. like in no, the no. middle of things, like, yeah. she's okay. This is a very idealised, fantastical version of this woman. Okay. Has this ever been turned into a stage show? Or does this just exist as a film? So this has been turned into a stage musical. 
However, it's not really ever been anywhere big. It premiered at Fort Worth in Texas, cool. which is very cool. They were then in Pittsburgh, and then there was a CBS TV special, and that's kind of it. Carol Burnett played Calamity Jane at one point. We love Carol Burnett. Yes. But it never became sort of a big hit. It is known for the movie. That's fair. I mean, you know, movie musicals are different, and mm -hmm. sometimes they just get written for that medium and shouldn't necessarily be on stage. Yeah. Sometimes they are performed in that medium and then they make the appropriate move to the stage. You know, mm -hmm. Singing in the Rain obviously has a stage show now. Uh, Which Moulin is Rouge great. has a stage show. Mm -hmm. We can't comment on how great that is. We've not seen it. But, I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah, and it feels like a natural evolution in the same way that it does feel like a natural thing to film a pre-existing thing. It's an easy story. You've got it there. You've just got to find the adaptation for it, which mm -hmm. that's the challenge to it. Yeah. So as it's Pride Month, yeah. this also, this movie's really gay. Cool. <laughs> um, it's considered one of the most popular lesbian movies of all time. Yeah. Which is great. And there are several characters in this that can be read as being lesbians in the sense of this being the sort of 1850s, like the women would be closeted and would yeah. be doing what was expected of them. But also it has been screened many, many times at the London Lesbian and Gay Film Festival, cool. which is cool. And a lot of film critics point out the sort of lesbian overtones of this movie by saying that these the two female characters that interact the most often, I'm trying really hard not to spoil the things, okay. that they have a lot of... The way they approach sexuality, it is in a way that Hollywood just wasn't able to do. Yeah. But that it isn't even a subtext. Like, people just see it immediately. Yeah, it's, it's obvious. Yeah. Okay. They describe it as a landmark display of girl-on-girl -girl attraction, and one of the songs from this movie is described as the first gay anthem. Fantastic. Which is great. Always good. <laughs> yeah. What's your history with this one? Are you a big fan of, of Calamity Jane? Do you think Annie Get Your Gun does it better? Um, I actually never saw Annie Get Your Gun growing up. It okay. wasn't until I was an adult that I saw Annie Get Your Gun. However, my mum loves this film. Yeah. Which is what I say about most musicals. But I grew up watching this. There are several songs in this that my mum sings regularly still. And she also sings... There's a song in this called Secret Love. Yeah. And... My mum sings that, but mixes it with, um, I think I'm going to like it here for from Annie, <laughs> because she thinks they sound like they have the same That would make a very different version of Annie Get Your Gun. It really would. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up kind of, this is one of those old MGM musicals that they show at Christmas because it's an old movie musical yeah. and, you know, stick it on the TV and we would watch it every single year. And cool. I wanted to be Calamity Jane so bad. <laughs> Old racism aside mm -hmm. and outdated ideals of this film aside, do you think this is one I'm going to like? I never know the answer to that. <laughs> I could say yes and then at the end you'll be like one star. <laughs> What's your hunch? If you had to go with your gut, do you think... Knowing my history with these older musicals, you know, if we think back to Oklahoma, if we think back mm -hmm. to the other ones we've watched from this kind of era. I think 
I'm going to out myself right now as, as having not watched this for a while. Yeah. So it probably in about five years. So we could watch this and I could be like, I'm horribly wrong and I'm very sorry. But I think you will like this just because of how progressive some of it is. And that's a big sum. We get things that are still problematic in 1990 mm-hmm. and early 2000s that we'll watch and be like, this is amazing. And then you'll get something stupidly offensive. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something we have to accept with old films. And in the same way, movies that are getting made today in 50 years time, what we think when we show our grandkids or when we talk to our grandkids about them was progressive and great they're going to be like, yeah, but this is outdated. Mm -hmm. So I can forgive that with these things. I think, you know, you've got to understand and you've got to appreciate where something comes from and we have to call it out and say, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. But if we see something good, you know, if we see something that is considered monumental for LGBTQ plus Mm -hmm. and their history, then that's great and that should be celebrated, but we also need to call out the, well... But this racism's not. Yeah. How true. did this film fare when it was released? Did it come out to acclaim? Did it do well? Oh, yeah. It was like the top box office hit of the year. It did really, really well. All of the critic reviews were that it was amazing. Doris Day is going to be our next big star. Like, we love her. It's great. Because... This was not anything like what Doris Day had done before. Not because it was a musical, but because of the character that she's yeah. playing. And it was not what people expected of her, based on her previous roles. Because all her previous roles had been very ingenue, uh, girly, like, heroine characters. Yeah. Whereas this is not. Cool. And people really liked it. Awesome. Well, yeah. I, I'm willing to give it a try. Yeah. I, I can't say I'm a big fan of the whole wild west thing no i don't like cowboy movies no and the the only time i've really kind of enjoyed anything like that was trail to oregon and i think that's Mm. because they were poking fun at the kind of genre themselves yeah i never finished playing red dead redemption 2 because after a while the gimmick just wore out for me this isn't a a part of history a part of the world that i'm overly fond of Mm. i like it more when it's mocked yeah, you know, like and that's back- the re- only reason I could finish Westworld is because they were sort of calling out all the injustices of it. I finished season one. I never started season two onwards. Yeah, I just I didn't feel the hype worth worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the same way that when you have things like Back to the Future three, which obviously is the weakest one, but you know, and a million ways to die in the West. That's the one with the flying train, right? Yeah. When the, the reason I like those is because they are calling out kind of the absurdity of this genre. Yeah. And I like that, mm-hmm. but I can't say I have a fondness for, you know, this this era of of life. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because it's it's not British history, you know? It's, it's not the history of our country. Yeah. You know, so maybe I don't have that fondness with it because it's not something you study. I don't, I don't get the romance to being a cowboy, you know? Yeah. I can imagine it was just like sweaty. Yeah, I don't like pretty the, stinky. <laughs> I don't like the heat. You know. Yeah, I it's re- not for you. Exactly. So I can't. I, for me, this isn't a romanticized thing. This isn't like, you know, when when you're a kid and you're like, oh, should we play this? It's like, no, I not want to play this. I'd rather play mm-hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog. However, give me gay cowboys any day. Brokeback Mountain, great. 
But that's not Wild West, that's... Okay, specifically I mean lesbian cowboys. <laughs> and maybe that will work for me. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I think it's time we sat down and we watched a film. Yes, indeed. Have you got any fun sign-off line or do you just not know because it's been five years? It's been a long time. It's been five years since you looked at me. <laughs> Yeehaw. We will be back very, very shortly. Deadwood stages rolling on over the plains With the curtains flapping and the drivers slapping the reins Beautiful sky, oh wonderful day Whip crack away, whip crack away, whip crack away We're heading straight for town, loaded down with fancy cargo Caravels of Fargo, Illinois, boy Oh, the Deadwood stage is coming on over the crest Like a home in pigeon that's hankering after its nest Twenty-three miles we've covered today Whip crack away, whip crack away, whip crack away And we are back. We've had a whip crack in time <laughs> I was going to say something about whip crack away. Uh, I win. You do win, but then you always get to start these off. Mm -hmm. So you said this was going to be longer than it was. I remember this being longer. I... Maybe I was younger. I felt like at times it was quite long and it was quite a short film. Yeah, there are a couple of bits that drag a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But... It's not the. It's not like a bad thing with this one. I feel like it. The pace change in certain scenes works. With yeah. This. Oh, absolutely. I'm not like waiting for the action to happen. You can see why it isn't a stage show in its current form because it's mm. far too short to be. Not that there's anything against ninety minute musicals, but it would need something else. Mm -hmm. Maybe more moments with Bill. Yeah. Because he's kind of left behind in this, which is cool. I like that. This is very, very female-centric, female-driven. Yes, it is. Which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Makes a nice change for me. Yeah. But it does feel like his upgrade to romantic interest comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And just something... Someone someone at MGM was like, guys, this is really gay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she should end up with Bill. <laughs> like, let's go with that. Yeah, I mean, it's just like Shrek, that the real plot line mm -hmm. is about the relationship between Shrek and Donkey. Mm -hmm. Shrek and Fiona is incidental. Mm -hmm. This is about Jane and Katie. I feel like nobody in the history of the world has ever compared Shrek and Calamity Jane. So and yet congratulations. <laughs> but yeah, but this is this is more about Jane and Katie's relationship mm -hmm. and Bill and Lieutenant Dan are completely incidental. Mm -hmm. So I really I, I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. I wanna start by talking about the blurb on the back of the DVD. Oh I mean, my god, it was amazing. Did you read it after I told you? 
This I... is the second show we've ever watched where I've said to you beforehand, wow, whoever wrote this hasn't seen the show. Yeah, I read it after we watched it. Yeah. Obviously, spoiler free. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, the first show we saw was... Waitress. Waitress, and that was also the first show we saw together. Mm -hmm. If you ever get a chance to see a waitress flyer, not the playbill or the book or anything, just a weird... There was this flyer series that was put out where it said that it was like, oh, can... It made it sound like... The plot was about the romance between her and the Doctor. And there's no reference to pregnancy. <laughs> that makes it sound like Doctor is in the Doctor. <laughs> but yeah, there was no reference on this little plot synopsis to her pregnancy at all. And maybe that was done on purpose, but also it just seemed really weird. Yeah. Well, the plot for this is great. So first of all, mm-hmm. we get a really cool tagline that says, How the West was sung, which is Excellent. great. I, I appreciate the pun. Mm-hmm. Doris Day and Howard Keel fuss, feud, and fall in love as Calamity Jane and Wild Bill Hickcock in this entertainment motherlode. I thought motherlode was one word, but apparently it's not. Okay. I thought it was one word. It, yeah, according to this blurb, it's not. Mm-hmm. At first, curvaceous Calamity is too derned busy fighting Indians and cracking a bullwhip to pay mind to such girly wattles as dresses and perfume. And Wild Bill is too danged busy wooing a dainty chatoose to give a hoot about a hot-headed tomboy. But things change in a rootin' tootin' big way when each becomes love's target. Now, yes, I think that is an element of the plot. I don't think anyone would ever have described Doris Day as curvaceous. She's a twig. But I don't feel that that actually describes the plot at all you know if i read that i would think there'd be far more romantic elements between them and Mm. i don't think there are but we'll talk about that as the review goes on but i do think that's a very interesting like synopsis i wonder if chatoose was like a really common word when this came out possibly do you know what it means I just assumed it meant, like, vaudeville act. Yeah, it means, a, it's French. It means a female singer of popular songs. I, I've never heard that word before. No. Also, I actively hate the word tomboy. Yes, I know. I know, you, I know you know, but I just think that is, as usual, some gendered nonsense. <laughs> this week is brought to you by... Gendered nonsense. Gendered nonsense. I, I, that would be my personal card in Cards Against Humanity. I, gendered nonsense. I agree. I think, why can girls not just do what they want to do without being labelled? In the same way, why can men not do things and be labelled effeminate? You know, like... The answer is men. Gendered nonsense. Yeah. You know, it... I don't think calling her a tomboy is appropriate. I wouldn't say she says she has a job. Yeah, where she like if she if she was wearing the kind of outfits that Katie wears to do her job. Yeah, she would be dead. Hmm. Like <laughs> it, it is just awful. And yeah, it did not. <laughs> and it's not a fault of this. Oh like, no, absolutely not. Whoever wrote that blurb probably didn't even work on the film. And if you so this the DVD we bought is a second-hand DVD. Mm-hmm. It's certainly probably like a first printing of the DVD. You know? 
So well, this is the remaster. Okay. So there's no date on this. No, they they put dates on DVDs sometimes. So there you go, two thousand and three. Okay, was written. So that is when DVD players first kind of came to prominence. I think that's around the time we first got a DVD player. In my mm. in my family, around that time. Yeah, me too. Because the first DVD I ever bought was both. Uh, I mean, I, uh, in the same day mm-hmm. was Johnny English, <laughs> nice, and Lord of the Rings: Fellowship of the Ring. Just the one. Is this like pre box sets? Yeah. Cool. I've bought those. We're old. <laughs> I've bought that so many times. It's up there at Ocarina of Time in terms of how many times I've purchased it, but in a different format. Is this like me and Wind in the Willows? Yeah. So, Calamity Jane. We go back to our thread from our preamble of Danny thinks this is Annie, get your gun. Because mm-hmm. the Deadwood Sage is exactly the, the song I was thinking of. Yep. With the whip crack away, whip crack away, whip crack away. Yeah. Because this was the one I remembered watching at the proms and getting really into. Yeah. Followed by, is a real good friend of mine. But I guess they kind of roll Introducing in. Introducing Henry Miller, yeah. I guess they roll in as almost the same song. You know, like. Yeah. So they're, the two songs are attached. Actually, yes. because, because obviously we've just sung one of the songs from the show, I looked at all of the chords for all the different songs. And for this one, there are no chords for introducing Henry Miller because it's, it's considered the same yeah. song. Which I, I did think that maybe I'd got it wrong because you tell me the names of songs as we watch and I thought maybe I've got it wrong. But yes, I recognised this song, this from the proms. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good opening. You know, we, we talk quite consistently ever since High School Musical about the opening number yep sucking us into the world and into the story and i think this does a really good job at introducing kalam mm-hmm. and the world they live in oh yeah sure so she runs a stagecoach mm-hmm. she kind of goes about town she collects things maybe for people i don't know if they're necessarily saying to her can you go and pick me up this when you next go to chicago or if she's specifically just finding point, things to sell. She's never been to Chicago. No, I know she's point. not been to she Chicago. She's a shotgun messenger. So she goes to the train tracks and back. So the train tracks end 100 miles from Deadwood. She is a being a shotgun messenger. She rides on the stage with whoever is driving it to protect well, it. was Rattlesnake, wasn't it? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And she is just there with her gun, protecting people and making sure that their post gets back in time. Yeah. And they get fashion a lot later than everybody else. Because well, by yeah, the time the... it gets to them, it's already been everywhere else. Yeah, they're in the middle of nowhere. Literally nowhere. Dakota Territory, nowhere. <laughs> yeah, so when she finally arrives, everyone is happy to see her. Mm-hmm. And she throws a lot of items at people. My, I, at this point, I didn't know if she just was grabbing random things and giving them to people. You just telling me that, it kind of makes sense as to why she threw hair restoring lotion to a bald man. I thought it was just like she was mocking him. But nice opening number, yeah. gets us into the world, and we go into the theatre. We meet Bill Hickcock. Mm-hmm. We learn he has 27 notches in his belt, so he's a very accomplished uh, gunslinger. Yeah. He has murdered 27 people. 
Yeah, that's true. I, I like this. You s- skipped over some of my favourite lines, but we can go back no, to No, go them. for it. Tell me your favourite songs, your favourite uh, parts of the songs. So a lot of the rhymes in this show are amazing. I love a lot of the music from this, but things specifically like headed straight for town, loaded down with the fancy cargo care of Wells and Fargo, Illinois. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> On the end, which is great. And then when we get into introducing Henry Miller... We have her introducing people to people in the town and she introduces Joe. She says, hi, Joe, where'd you get them fancy clothes? I know off some fella's laundry line, which is great. (laughs) And then when she introduces Bill, uh, because in the previous verse, when she introduced Henry Miller, she said, I'm glad to say he's a very good friend of mine. When she introduces Bill, she says, I'm glad to say he's a very good friend of a friend of mine. Which is great. Yeah, there's small little things and there's nice lyrics that really do build the world fantastically. Like, mm. I already feel like I know everything about yeah, this Yeah, the vibe. We, yeah. we understand. Yeah. And two very good songs to open. And they sit at the bar and they're talking and Kalam is bragging about her accomplishments mm-hmm. and how she shoots the Indians and she kills however many. She oh. says a hundred. She said there were a hundred of them. Yes. Now, I got the sense straight away that she was mm-hmm. maybe extending the truth a little bit. But you also get the sense that the rest of the town know she is as well. And they're just indulging her. Yeah. And there's a really nice moment where one of the guys is like, no, you didn't. And walks off. And she grabs her lasso and without kind of sweating gets it round him neatly right around his nose and brings him back and you can see that she is not completely without merit oh yeah the people in this town while they know that she over exaggerates things they have respect for her because she is genuinely good at her job yes and they they know that they can kind of believe to a certain extent but they Mm -hmm. also know that she will do her best to keep her word. Yeah, it's not like they're humouring her. Like, in her lies they are, and they all think it's really funny to talk about the truth compared to her lies, but they're not humouring her when it comes to actually respecting her, which is relevant later on in the film. Yeah, I really like her depiction. She's got a lovely energy about her. Mm -hmm. You know know when people would describe someone as like a, a spunky character? Yeah. That's exactly her. She's this little, like, pocket rocket. That's hilarious. Do you want to know how Doris Day described the character? How? So when Please she... say a spunky pocket rocket. <laughs> she didn't say pocket rocket. She said that when she watched some of the reels back after the first day of shooting, she hadn't got the voice for Calamity yes. yet. So she was acting the same way, the tomboy, because that's how she describes it, manner. And she hadn't figured out that how she wanted Calamity to sound yet. So she said she had a good laugh watching herself galumphing around in a buckskin and being all gruff, but with a high squeaky voice like Minnie Mouse. Yeah, Which I great. think is such a great description. I really love, like, everything about her as a character. You know, there is this, like, gruffness to it. Mm-hmm. She's... I can't think of which cartoon character it is. It's almost like Scrappy-Doo, but it's not. 
scrappy do you know but there's just some the, the, her demeanor the way she walks the little looks on her face the way she like purses her lips <laughs> yeah. and creases her brow i love her energy in this i love the way she speaks i love the way she mm-hmm. gestures this is such a great world to be a part of and i think it's because we've got the perfect leading lady for this yeah and i mean i i thank the musical gods that the Western is not a popular genre nowadays mm-hmm. because there is no actor that could play her as well as Doris Day does. No, I agree. And if they ever remade, revived, whatever, it would flop instantly because I don't think there's anyone that could pull it off with the same charm that she does very, so, very quickly. I'm getting that you enjoyed this then. <laughs> I enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah. there's moments where it's it's it drags like i say but i think at, at its heart it's doris day that really makes this world work mm-hmm. you want to know my first fun fact sure this character and doris day's performance inspired both the look and the voice of jesse from toy story i can yes it's, can, the, it's exact once you know yeah. that it's the same yeah character. you can 100 percent see that and that's mm. maybe one of the people i was thinking of and also when somebody loved me just sounds like secret love yeah. once you know that as well so they start looking at the cigarette cards and they talk about adelaide adams and how she's the celebrity of the time everyone is into her and Kalam. Mm-hmm. Looks at one of the cards and she says, "Wow, she ain't got nothing on but her underwear." Yep. And I love the the line, like the shock in her face, like, "Oh my days," you know, like yeah. And I think it's Bill that says that she could look as good as that if she no, tried. So Bill says it's a costume, like this is how women dress. This is women's underwear. Yeah. Calamity says that she could look exactly the same if not for her modesty if she yeah if not for having some common decency yeah i i wrote that down verbatim when mm-hmm. when i was watching so i really liked that line mm-hmm. so in between this we've had a weird moment where an old man has gone to the stagecoach and has seen a yeah, the nervous Henry Miller. yeah 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 <laughs> And I hadn't got his name at this point, so I just written old man. I'd ignored this for the most part because I didn't know actually where it fit. Mm-hmm. An old man has snuck out, has found a stagecoach, wears a nervous-looking fellow with two Native Americans. Yes. And I kind of wanted to gloss over. I didn't know how important it was, but it now becomes important because we learn that Mr. Miller has hired an actress. Good Francis Fryer. But he hasn't, in fact, hired an actress as he words it obviously like mm-hmm. we know on this show i use the term actor as an all-encompassing thing yeah well he thinks he's getting a vaudeville starlet yes and he's not yes and he immediately fires and hires francis fry because he realizes they need something they need an act yes they need yeah. an act just interestingly on the note of the native americans that are in the carriage mm-hmm. they are Two Native American characters that are in the background a lot yes. during the Deadwood scenes. They're always just in town and they seem not... Nobody seems to have a problem with them. Yes. It's really weird. The only character who seemed to have a problem at this point with them was Francis Fry. And that's probably because where yeah, he's, he's from... He's never met a Native American. Yeah, and he's before. heard horror stories. Yeah. Well, he came in on the... Uh, the stage yeah. that Calamity was on where she was shooting at Native Americans. Yes. So that you probably would be a little bit worried. I am I was very, very worried because you talked to me about how 
the representation for this was bad and I thought it would be more frequently bad than it was. Oh, no. It's, it's, it's old Western movie bad where it's just like... But also <laughs> it's not throughout the entire film. It's no. maybe... There's one moment that's particularly bad. Yes. But there's maybe two or three moments in total through this, mm-hmm. which actually made it more palatable throughout. I was going into expecting to enjoy, but be sucked out because there's this awful racism and then gradually start being and taken back down. And it didn't happen as much as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. The, the issue is it feeds into the narrative of the time that was, and that still happens today, that was Native American people are these faceless, wild people who uh, feel like they own the land and want to kill the white people. Yes. And obviously that wasn't true. It was just a lot of white people stealing people's land and yeah. enslaving them. But it's it's so, you know. it's a similar thing to what we still get in Hollywood to this day. And it's just we've replaced the Native American characters for other uh, ethnicities. Uh, and it, it isn't acceptable. You know, uh, I read a really great article uh, on BBC News earlier today by Riz Ahmed saying how we need to stop toxic Muslim characters. And it is the same thing. There's if there is a vilification Mm -hmm. that does need to stop. And it was disappointing to see it in this. Yeah. Considering how progressive I think this is with the female representation within this world. Yeah. That we still have some really nasty representation. Mm -hmm. But... It didn't suck me out in the way I feared. Yeah. The other thing that they do is they refer to the Native Americans in this as Sioux, which is a... Specific tribe. Well, it's not. It's a white person term for uh, a specific tribe whose name I'm not even going to try and butcher. It's a a slang term for it. Yeah. It's a French transcription of their actual term for themselves. Yeah. And can refer to any ethnic group within their nation, despite the fact that that covers a lot of different tribes. Yeah. Uh, So it's not great. Yeah, so I guess while we're talking about this, the next set piece is Kalam rushing off to save Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. Um, She's furious because she learns others just left him. You don't leave a man behind. And we get a sequence where she rescues him. Uh, He's been tied up by the Native Americans. And she they shoots. run off as soon as they hear her come in. Yeah, luckily no one gets killed. You know, she shoots at them, they run off. It's a very small sequence. It's but... sort of the very least that they could do in this film is not kill any of these Native Americans on screen. <laughs> Maybe one gets killed, but even then I don't know if he actually gets killed. We see a lot of shooting at people. Yes. So yes, they flee and... You know, she saved the day with no bloodshed. And I like the moment as they ride away into the sunset that uh, Lieutenant Dan is riding the horse and she's behind cuddling him. And you can tell there's more to their relationship because she's got a big grin on her face. He says to her, why couldn't we have taken one of their horses? Why did we have to ride the same horse? And she says, well, this is cozier. Yeah. Which is super funny. Yeah. Back at the theatre... Lieutenant Dan helps her lie, mm-hmm. you know, by saying, "Yeah, there, he doesn't there, there really was... want to either." No, he doesn't seem he doesn't seem to like her 
at all. Even in a friendship way, they don't seem... No. Like, they're close. She just sort of met him one day and is like, oh, I love him. This is my boyfriend now. Yeah, basically. And she immediately claims him as her own. And she says, I didn't save you for no other woman. Yeah, he gets the Adelaide Adams card out yeah. of a pack of cigarettes and she tears it up. I like that we're seeing this usual gendered nonsense reversed. Yeah, this would always happen the other way around and you would expect it. Yeah, it'd be Just like, you nice know, gender man saves damsel in distress, takes her back to town, others cool at her and he's like, I didn't I save her for you as he man. slaps her on her rear. Mm. You know, like really awful patriarchal nonsense. And what's great is the men in this situation, Bill later on and Danny now, are portrayed as not knowing what to do with this. Yeah. Not in a in the way that a female character would respond if it was the other way around, yeah. where they would be upset or anxious or worried. I don't know what the word I was thinking of was. Yeah. But in a oh, but men act like this. Why is this girl doing this? Yeah. I don't like how this feels. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Good. So Francis Fryer is going to perform in drag. Francis is my second favourite character. I feel like Francis does not get enough. He's great. And has the makings of a really good character, but just needed a little bit more. And this is yeah, where, if we extended this... Mm -hmm. I... This was my Skip It song. This Most, song has been in my head since we watched this. Mostly because the performance of it and I'd imagine the recording of this starts off with it being shaky before it gets into something good that's a good question you know so I could imagine and if I take it on the amount of what I've seen in front of me half of the song is delivered poorly now I don't know because I haven't actually ever listened to the soundtrack to this yes I tend to only see the songs within the context of the movie so I will have to go and have a listen in a bit. But from what I know of musicals around this time, they didn't do that. Yeah. They would record the song to be released on a record yeah. on its own. And well, it probably wasn't even the actor who plays him, Dick Wesson, singing on the album. They probably got a female actress to sing it. Yeah. I'll be surprised if it's not. I need to check. Yeah. But, but I think based on what I've seen here, if I have to take this version of the song... Half of it is shaky, and yes, that's part of the performance, and that performance is done well because it's believable, but for me it makes it a skippable song. Yeah. I, you know, I love the massive cheer mm -hmm. when he He's comes like, on stage, yeah. yeah, and Kalam instantly sees right through him, which I think is great. Yeah. It's like the Grinch, where the Grinch is kind of like perturbed when he sees Martha Mayhuvier uh, come in through the crowd, and he's like, ooh. And it's like, do you, you know the you know the facial <laughs> yeah, expression? And it's exactly the same from Calamity Jane. So on the soundtrack credits, it is credited as being Dick Wesson that sings. So, possibly. This is one of my favourite performances in this film. I would agree, yes. Because we slowly, as the song goes on, he gets really into this. That's what I really liked about this, so is he does get really, really yes. into this. Yes, and not only because he's enjoying himself performing, because he's a performer, but also he's kind of enjoying winding these guys up. And like, Oh, he's a tease. Yeah, one man comes up to him to try and, like, have a cuddle. Yes. And he lifts him up and throws him onto a table, and the guy is, like, really taken by it. He's really into it. Yeah. Which is hilarious, because this is, like... 
unheard of in yeah. this town. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love this as a set piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could just imagine that as a song, it would be skippable. Also, why did nobody pin this wig to his wig well, cap? Well, probably because it's this town. They mm. don't have the experience of that. Yeah, it's not like he has a makeup artist here. <laughs> Seemingly, the only woman in this town is Kalam. Oh, basically, yeah. Yeah. I... The only women in this town would be the wives of the military And they're not guys. coming to this performance. They're not going to the bar. They're staying no, at home and either bar. looking after the kids or already asleep, you know? Yeah. The fact that Calamity is in this Shows bar, how much he's accepted. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting. I, I love the bit where the trombone gets mm, in so his great. wig. And yeah, Mr. Miller's in trouble. And yeah, everyone kind of is like rioting and... Kalam stands up and tries to defend him and she shouts, you got what he got. And then somebody shouts, we don't want it. <laughs> it's some really nice interaction, but it she cul- shoots in the air to get their attention yep. as well, which I love. It culminates with her saying he's got big plans he, and she promises that Adelaide Adams is going to come to the town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's kind of sets up the stakes. The, the stakes for this really, really well. We know I love my stakes. Yeah. And and it's it's I thought it was going to be far more now about Calamity Jane being a fish out of water. I thought we were gonna lose this world completely, have her try and track down Adelaide, mm-hmm. try and convince Adelaide to, you know, come for just one show, and then we'd have this really successful ending. Because I thought everyone would be like, Yeah, well, we we like you, Callum, but you're not capable of this. Mm-hmm. You do a good job, but this is out of your depth. And I thought that was going to be the rest of the plot. So I like the way the rest of the plot goes. Did not expect it at this point. Yeah, for sure. So we learned that Adelaide Adams is in Chicago mm-hmm. and, you know, she wouldn't be caught dead in this town. Yeah, Francis says Adelaide Adams wouldn't be caught dead in this town. And he says to Henry... Look, Adelaide Adams is performing in Chicago right now. She's not going to come here. Yeah. And he says, you'd have more luck trying to get the Queen of Sheba. And Callum says, no, they want Adelaide. Callum. 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 Yeah, Callum. But I love that line. She just well, they didn't don't un- want her. They want her. Yeah. It's great. There's some really good one-liners in this. Mm-hmm. Th- this does have the potential to be a tremendous... West End yeah, Broadway it show. It's a really nice script. Yeah. Like, so all of the jokes feel effortless, mm. I think is the right word. But I think that comes from the performances. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's definitely from a really strong script, but mm. it's definitely from some really good performances too. Yeah. And then I get the sense that Bill doesn't really trust Kalam's words, that it feels far more than anyone else that he sees her limits. And he almost feels bad for indulging her. You get the sense that even though they've had this weird flirtatious banter. Yeah. He doesn't want to hurt her, but he knows that he's got to almost speak up. Which but I think... at the same time, he knows she cannot pull this off. Mm. Which, again, made me feel like it was going in the way I, I just saw the plot. Mm-hmm. We get I can do without you. And yeah, this is a really great number because you can actually see and feel their tension. Yes, and this is performed live. 
cool. Um, it's one of the songs that actually was done in just one or two takes. Nice. There's a song that was done in one take um, later on. Mm -hmm. But this is done in like one or two takes. They cut a couple of bits and rejigged a couple of bits. But they literally, the actors said they wanted to perform this song live because it needed to feel authentic. It when needed to feel like yeah. they're shouting at each other. In the same way Mel Sheep needed to do the winner takes all live. Yes. And in the same it's way it's that moment. Yeah. And in the same way that the only credit I will ever give to James Corden is in Into the Woods when they sing It Takes Two with him and Emily Blunt. They did that live and it led to a really nice moment where we the characters laugh rather than sing the end note. Like that's a good yeah, thing. It's organic sometimes. and it's 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 real, which is yeah. you know, what you get from a stage show is no two performances will ever be the same mm -hmm. because there's a different energy and a different atmosphere every night. Yeah, this song is so nicely yeah. performed. I make the prediction that by the end, uh, they won't be able to cope without the other. So Yeah, probably. Not. And Some then, of the things they call each other in this song. <laughs> so funny. In the garden, you're the gopher. Yep. Uh, in the summer, you're the winter. Like, obvious ones. But then, in the banquet, you're the stew. <laughs> Does nobody stew at banquets? I think it's kind of the... It's like the worst part. It's almost like the somebody bought a side salad. Mm -hmm. And you all look at the person who bought the salad with a little bit of... Yeah. Bare minimum. I guess. I guess, then... yeah, because the stew isn't fancy as well. You know, like you could have lobster or, so, you know, you, like the banquet, you're going to have a lot of different things and you've just got a pot of stew that will yeah. stay hot and nobody really wants it. That's I like enough. a stew. but We also have in the theatre, you're the boo. Oh, Which I, is a great line. <laughs> However, <laughs> you know the song, anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah. This is just that. Yeah. And it's nice. I, there's enough difference between them that what it's... What came first? Oh, Annie, get your gun. Okay. So, oh, that's what I know from Annie, get your gun. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I can do anything better than you. I can do without you. <laughs> I can do without you. No, you yeah. can't. Yes, I can. Like an overturned canoe, I can yeah. do without you. As she's on the train to Chicago... I really love the small, it's just a literally 30 seconds, if that, her putting her feet up on the man on the train and him looking like, well, I never. Yep. How rude. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> great. And we get a really cool sequence as Callum, as, <laughs> as Kalam walks the streets of Chicago mm. and all the women are either shocked or very flirtatious. Or very into her, which is great. Yeah. She's this, and we established in a bit that she is perceived to be a man at this point because she's in trousers in the city. Mm -hmm. But we have one woman who sort of looks her up and down and then like hurries on her way. Oh, one I woman never. who winks at her. Yeah, which that was is my favourite one. Super gay, we love it. And then a, like a whole crowd of women who are sort of like coying for her attention, which is yeah. fantastic. I, she's definitely a fish out of water here. And we see, you know, the way she interacts and everyone laughs at her like she's this novelty. I, I did write this down as a joke. I don't think it's a funny joke. I don't think it's an appropriate joke nowadays. Mm. But... 
in her world, you could see why she could make that misunderstanding when she sees the headpieces and she shouts, scalps a massacre. Mm-hmm. I think as a terms of for that world and the script of this character, that's a fantastic line. It's an incredibly outdated joke. Yes. But I agree with you. Yeah. The, um, it's really, really funny though, because this sort of gives us another aspect of her personality where she's just willing to laugh at herself. Mm, yeah. But she doesn't take anything too seriously. She doesn't really expect much. And all of these people laugh at her. She doesn't know them. It's not like she's in her town where she's used to it. Nobody here knows her. And she still is like, oh, gosh, like, I'm so silly. And everybody laughs. And she laughs and then she goes on her way. Yeah, true to herself. And I really admire that about the character. It doesn't feel like she's ever the butt of the joke because she's in on it. It's like the Muppets where they will make fun of themselves and everyone's in on the joke, but it's not malicious. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I really like about the Muppet humour. Yeah, not at. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's the same here. We get It's Harry I'm Planning to Marry. It gets a standing ovation. Yes, and we see that Adelaide Adams has not only sold out, but she also now has sold out standing room. Yes, and I like the sequence as uh, Callum tries to... She did a tally of how many times you call her Callum in this. Calam. Just say calamity. I'm trying to call her what they call her. That's Hi, Calam. I, I like... When she's trying to push through the crowd of men to see Adelaide and they just They're push her moving. back. They're not moving, yeah, because they don't know her. There's, There's no reason for them to fear some her. some very Buster Keaton movements to her. Like, very physical, like, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin-esque movements, oh, sure. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Overacting. Yeah, but not with it being ridiculous. Yeah. Back when we did stage acting, but on film. Yes. We learn that Miss Adams is gratefully aware that this is her last night in primetime Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait till she finds out that she's going to be in Deadwood next. <laughs> yeah. So Adelaide is leaving. This is her finale show. She's going on a European tour. Mm-hmm. And she is in her dressing room with her maid, Katie. Katie Brown. Yep. And Katie is trying so hard. <laughs> just <laughs> to, to kind of... She's doing the most. Just yeah. to be nice to this woman who is awful to her. Oh, she is like terrible Mm -hmm. but you know it's that element of paying your dues because someday she will recommend you Mm -hmm. someday oh absolutely and that's what she's going for but so katie says to her at one point about her dream to become a singer yeah she wants a shot yeah she'd give anything to get even one night on the stage and adelaide says to her yes well i've heard you sing haven't i Uh, it's very good for church and for choirs but not for the stage yeah and katie's like (laughs) <laughs> she's not upset she's just sort of like i'm so used to you saying things like this. exactly so <laughs> we get a really awesome bit here and uh katie is dressed and singing as adelaide so of yes, course adelaide gets rid of all her clothes says she's going to buy herself a new trousseau in europe yep and so she says to katie oh throw them out or better yet i'll make a gift of them to you yeah because even though they probably cost hundreds and hundreds of pounds or dollars, um, she can just give them away because mm. she's probably a millionaire by the standards. By the of this standards, time. yes, absolutely, and probably as well has rich men buying them as like mm-hmm. you know tokens of our affection. Absolutely. So of course, Kalam is going to enter. And we get our case of mistaken identity, yes, which was great. Did not see this coming. And, you know, 
this moment here is very gay, where Jane is kind of taken <laughs> aback by super gay. You're more beautiful than than your cards. <laughs> I and, know, right? And I like that Katie is kind of recoiling because she's like, "Get out of here!" And I felt really bad. This is the first time I felt bad that Jane wasn't seen as a woman. It's the first time she felt yeah bad for being seen as a man and that was interesting at this point you know yeah she's we've never had a a sign that she's upset about her identity and i think it's because she gives off this really lovely demeanor like everyone's a friend around her Mm -hmm. and i think it's because of the level of discomfort that katie had that she was like oh me looking oh, this, this way. What I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I think that's I think that's the only reason. I don't think it's the fact that she was made, mistaken for a man that upset her. Mm-hmm. I think it's the fact that she had made somebody uncomfortable. Yeah, because wherever she goes, everyone's her friend. Yes. Like, even the people who laughed at her outside, laughing with her, are now her, you know, she's made a friend of them, and that's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, Katie says to her that she thinks that she is a man, because of the way that she's dressed, Calamity looks at herself in the mirror. And, and she goes, ah, ha, 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 wait, come to think of it, it ain't that funny. Yeah, and she's kind of sad. Yeah. And Katie immediately changes and is like, oh, no, I'm really sorry. Like, that's my bad. That was yeah. my mistake. And Calamity's like, oh, no, it's fine. I could never wear what you're wearing. Yeah. And, and then... this is where she kind of twigs that there is this mistaken identity because they're here for Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And... This mysterious stranger does not know that she is not Adelaide. And of yes. course, just like Hamilton, mm-hmm. she's not throwing away her shot. No. She says to Calamity, <laughs> oh, so this cigarette picture that you've got, is this the only picture of me that's in town? And Calamity Jane's like, yeah, we don't get a whole lot of posters over there. And she's they're like, like, oh, oh, well, you could do anything to make me go with you. You've got a gun. You could be holding me here at gunpoint. Oh, well, I guess I'll have to go. Calamity's like, what just happened? Yeah, we get a really weird fourth (laughs) wall break where she turns and says directly to us, I've got a weird feeling that someone's being hustled. This is right. So, you know, we've talked about it before with other films, but there were the rules about what you were allowed to do in cinema. Yes. I feel like this must be one of them. Like, you weren't allowed to show a female character getting swindled. And I don't know. And it's not like, call reference to it's it. It's like the comic book code. Um, there was a lot of rules that were broken. I don't know enough about them. Yeah. I used to know more, and my brain is old and mm. tired. But I used <laughs> to know more about it. And it's something I need to research because you're probably right. There probably was a a rule about depicting women in certain ways and about vulnerability and Mm -hmm. things like that. Because even if you look at the way that... Because I know that one of the rules at the time was about the level of undress you could have a woman in. And the way that Katie is dressed here and the way that Adelaide was dressed, they're really not showing a whole lot of skin. Not compared to what they probably would have. Yeah. You know, historically. This is quite anachronistic. Mm-hmm. Which is a great word. Word we really enjoyed being used in episode one of Loki. Yes. <laughs> we did. I was trying to remember whether it was in this or not. I had this I, I had the because exact we same thought the same, same day. The same day. But it was definitely Loki and not this. It was Owen Wilson's voice. Yes. Wow. <laughs> That's my review of Loki. Wow. 
I am looking forward to listening to the best film ever cover Loki and if they don't make that joke I might have to tweet them and be like wow. missed opportunity <laughs> how many wows out of wow do you give this five wows as we cut back to the Deadwood, Deadwood stage I really want to say you know like the banded king <laughs> the Deadwood yeah. stage I thought Katie really looked like Mary Poppins Yes, but specifically the stage Mary Poppins. Well, I was going to say more so the Emily Blunt than the Julie Andrews. Yes, but the reason Emily Blunt wears that because of the stage. is because of the stage Mary Poppins. But definitely, you know, this is this is very much everyone's favourite nanny. Mm-hmm. It, it, that that, that colour of blue, that hat, that dress combination, very Mary Poppins. Yeah, for sure. It's not even really a hat, it's like a fascinator. And this is the point where Kalam gets one of the Native Americans Mm -hmm. and we see them falling off their horse and rolling around on the floor. So I don't know if she killed one. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 What I like is that (laughs) as she left, everyone's kind of like, yeah, she's not going to do it. But they clearly believed in her enough because they have signs promoting Adelaide Adams up. Do you know ready what? To welcome they her. probably were planning to make her feel bad about it. <laughs> probably. Yeah. But. So there's one, we see him over and over again. There's one guy in town who is a hand letterer, which is a very, very specific skill. Yeah. And, you know, we call it a typographer now, but hand lettering on its own is really difficult. Mm-hmm. And I say that from practice. I I know you do, yeah. But this guy's job is to do all the posters, the hand lettering on these paintings on the buildings, but also he is a portrait artist as well, we will see later on. So this is the most talented man in town. Oh, very much, very much. He's probably not being paid enough. As they all welcome Adelaide, Mm -hmm. Dan and... Bill escort her up the stairs Mm -hmm. and we see a very jealous Kalam. And I did wonder, is she jealous of Dan being near Kate or Kate being near Dan? Up in the air. Well, I didn't really put all the people in my I mean, I didn't really think she was that jealous of Bill at this point, but we also get a moment between Francis and Adelaide. And I liked this. I was like, oh, he's still there. Will he twig? Mm. So he says to her. Oh, Miss Adelaide, it's so nice to see you again. Uh, I performed in Chicago at the same time as you at different theatres. It was New York. It was New York. You knew New York. At different theatres, obviously, because he is not as well known as No, he's a massively dropped talent. Yeah, and Katie is panicking now because she realises she recognises him. And she says, oh, yeah, yeah, it's so nice to see you again. And he's like, you were never that polite. It's her niceness that gave it away mm-hmm. we get just got back from the windy city i, I love this one. this one but i don't know where i knew it from perhaps it's something that's just been be referenced my mother <laughs> that's possibly also like a family guy because seth mcfarlane i think would love this show and I, I guarantee that this song has been referenced somewhere in something Seth MacFarlane's done. Oh, definitely at some point it's referenced in Family Guy. But is it possibly also A Million Ways to Die in the West? I don't know. What this song... I, I like this song. In terms of lyrics, content, it's basically Deadwood is over Chicago. You know, Deadwood is yeah, a better, better place in Chicago, which is great. She loves where she's from. 
I really like the dance break. And towards the end of it, I noticed that this was potentially all done with one shot. I mm-hmm. didn't see any edits. And that's phenomenal. If so, I don't. perhaps I'm wrong. And I'm, if, if I'm wrong, please tweet us and let me know. Okay, so what was the film that came out that had Scott Johansson and... What's the guy from Magic Mike called? Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum was in it as well. It was about old Hollywood. There was that one shot where Scarlett Johansson like rose out of the water, completely dry, and they filmed it backwards. I actually have no idea. Oh, that's so irritating. I did not know they'd done a film together. Uh, that is very, very interesting. Why? What's the point? I'll search what the film is while you tell me your point. Hail Caesar. Okay, yes, that's I do know called. that one. I've not seen it. It wasn't great. There are some really specific things in it, though. And one of those things is the Channing Tatum scene, which is based on On the Town. Yes. Um, and Is it a musical? Yeah, kind of. Cool. In mm. that they're referencing a lot of musicals. And there is a song. Then if it's a musical. <laughs> I don't know if it would officially count. Okay. But, anyway, so is there is there a heavy reference to this dance break? Yes. So it they cover... This dance break and the On the Town dance breaks in the Channing Tatum section, which we can just watch that part. Mm -hmm. That would be great. But this and that have very, very similar shots to them. Where when in old Hollywood they were filming shots like this, you would set your camera up because you knew where your actor was going to be. And you would just shoot them dancing because yeah. you didn't want some cameraman with a camera strapped to him that wasn't a steady cam at the time, yeah. wobbling all over the place while your lead is trying to do their best. Yeah. You know? I am a big fan of single shot sequences. Mm. It's tremendous in terms of the challenge and the execution. Mm. But when done right, it is amazing there are some great examples in darren aronofsky's films you know the most recent bond film has a really nice opening like that and it just always it always wows me and especially when you don't notice it mm-hmm. that shows how well it's done it's only when we got to the end it was kind of like i don't know if i've seen any edits here and that's that's phenomenal i really liked this one mm-hmm. and yes we cut backstage yeah. And Friar is, I think, onto her. You know, yes. you can tell there's something about his demeanour where he knows Katie is a fraud. And I'm starting to think at this point, are you going to be a villain? Are you going to turn? Mm-hmm. It's ambiguous. I like it. And we see that Katie then talks herself into performing. We see that Bill kept his word. He dressed for the occasion. In a very offensive costume. Made worse by the fact that he is sat with members of the tribe. Yeah, he's got two Native American women behind him and one man and a baby. Yes, he's holding the baby because he's dressed as one of the women in the tribe. So this, I feel like there was something we missed here. And it must be that there's some kind of deleted footage that isn't here where we establish why it wouldn't be okay for Bill to have come to this. 
because that's what he's doing. He's pretending that he was too good to come to this performance, so no, he's not here. He'd said to Kalam that if she managed this, he would dress like this. This is a bet between the pair of them. Is it? Yeah, he I says it. That. He says it in "I Can Do Without You" that if you accomplish this, I don't think you'll do it, and if you do it, I'll eat my hat. And this is him eating his hat. I guess. God, that sucks. But th- th- this is the thing that I feel like there should be a deleted scene for, is I want more explanation of why it's apparently okay for the tribe to be there and mm. not shot on site, because there seems to be a real issue between the two communities. And it feels even worse... And even more, this for me is one of the worst bits about the representation is it feels very much like they are there as the butt of the joke at this point. Yeah. It sucks when they're the villain because that's horrible. This feels like the only moment in the film where we're actually, instead of laughing with someone, laughing at them. Mm. And it made me feel horrible for the actors there. Yeah. There is no need for them to be there. Have him sat no, in that costume. he could be there on his own and that would be fine. Why does he need to be holding a baby? Why yeah. did we need... You know, there's never, like... There's movies where you need a baby. Yeah. This was not one of them. Yeah. It's bad enough him being in this costume. Yeah. And especially because it does look like his skin is darker. Yeah. So it's he bad... He's already a tanned guy. It's bad enough. But it's more, I keep saying it, but it's more palatable mm-hmm. on his own. It's far worse for them being there. Well, and there's no reason. he's dressed, dressed as a woman yes. as well. I yeah. didn't get that. I, the only reason I got it was because the women behind him had similar clothing. Yeah. So, so Calamity looks up and she says, gosh almighty, it's Bill Hickok. And finds it hilarious. Yeah. Her laughing goes above and beyond everyone else's and it stops the whole proceedings mm-hmm. And, yeah, this is when I realised that Friar is actually quite nice. Because he says, give everything, give it everything, Katie. Yes, and he He, he also to... warns Miller. Yeah. He's like, be prepared for a riot. He seems to have not, it seems to have not occurred to him that he said Katie's name. Yeah, yeah, but he says, give it everything, Katie, she knows. And he warns men, it's like, be prepared for the worst. And then we get, keep under your hat. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Starts off very similar to his song, where she's very much not into it. And I was like, okay, this is also really, I, I'm not enjoying this one. I enjoy the performance, but not the singing. But they heckle her because she's nervous and she tells the truth. She bursts into tears and is like, I'm not Adelaide Adams. Yep. And Dan tries to defend Kalam to no avail. It's like, hey, she got someone. Mm-hmm. It's an easy mistake. We all knew she was never going to do it. Cut us some slack. Yeah. Very dismissive, but actually quite nice. You get the sense that maybe he likes her more than he let on initially. Yeah, it's nice-ish. It's like he... he's paid his debt. The difference is Bill, while he makes fun of her openly for not having managed to do it it isn't as underhanded as what dan says yeah. because the way that he phrases it is it, like 
look, we all know she we all knew she wasn't good enough. She would never be able to do this. Whereas at least with Bill, he's like straight up about it. He's like, I told you you'd never be able to do exactly. it. Exactly. To her face, you know. And what I like is that Katie then defends her as well. There's a nice moment. And yeah, we then get a lovely speech from Kalam, you know, where she says we should give her a chance. You know, that's what this town's about. We give people chances. Why can she not be great? Yes, she's not Adelaide, mm-hmm. but let's just give her a chance. She came yeah. this far. And they sit down, she inspires them to give that chance. And now she's being Katie. Yes. She says to her, perform it, don't perform as Adelaide Adams, perform as Katie Brown. Yes. And it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's far better. And there's far more life to it. Did you get what this song was about? No. Uh, so the lyric, the lyrics are, Remember there's a dozen dolls for every Dan. You're not the only sweet pea in the can. So if you want to know the way to keep your man, keep it under your hat. It's about not having sex with your boyfriend before he's put a ring on it. Fair. It's great. I like All that. of these songs are like that. Like, I've got a pot high full of honey for the right kind of honeybee as well. Also about sex. My All honey is good, but you're not going to get it until... Uh... until Unless you're the right guy. Yes, and, and yeah. unless you are my queen. It's great. All of the songs <laughs> are about sex. <laughs> There's a great moment after this performance where Bill, obviously, he upheld his, his end of the bargain mm. for the wrong reason. He did this on the provision that that was Adelaide. Now, he's been made a fool of, so he's going to turn Clam into a piñata. Basically, yeah. And I like the way he lassos when you see her fighting it off and he's gradually and just kicking pulling. Her legs in the air. And then she's kicking her legs in the air and she's just held up for the next bit as, you know, everyone talks. You know, it was a funny sequence. I like the tit for tat. Mm-hmm. that they both have with each other and you know it seems mean-spirited at times but it's clearly not mean-spirited it is just two friends who just like yeah it's almost right it's gonna sound weird considering where they end up but mm-hmm. it's almost like familial you know it's like brother and sister yeah at this point but it's because they don't know what to do with these weird feelings they have because he does he sees her I guess, kind of like one of the guys. Mm-hmm. So it is, I guess, misplaced feelings for one another that they don't know what they're doing with yet. Yeah. And it was nice. You know, again, it didn't feel like it was malicious from his end. It just felt like you got me. I got you. We're even. Mm-hmm. You know? The next morning, Bill thinks Katie is already leaving. But nope. She's going to go off and live with Kalam. Yes, indeed. And then we get him singing Higher Than a Hawk. Yep. He doesn't need to drink. He doesn't need to chase the feeling that alcohol gives him because he now loves Katie. He used to mock those in love, but now he's one of those fools. This is my skip it song. It is an okay song. It's I, a, I find at this point... Why should I care about this guy? That's, I agree completely. There is something that is missing in terms of the storytelling with Bill. Because there's, we're supposed to have more to him. And he's very just mysterious at this point and suddenly is now a main character. Mm. And it's out of left field. I feel like there should be a sequence whilst she's in Chicago. Mm-hmm. A sequence with him. In Deadwood. Yeah. 
this just as like little in between thing. Yeah, so almost like after Adelaide's performance, we have a sequence here, and then we cut back, and that's when Kalam finds Katie. I don't know how that would do with the storytelling, you know, back and forth where it takes out. I feel like there's something missing with his character. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's very much like the, the love interest from Funny Girl. That <laughs> Just a dude. Just a dude who makes his money off the poker. Because there's yeah. a line that says how, like, he's robbed everyone in this town. Yeah. Through, through you know, his his... his poker skills but there's just not enough about him to suggest why he's seen as a wild man mm. you know is he a sheriff is he just a cowboy what is his deal yeah so this song is a nice song but it in terms of actual like does it matter mm-hmm. does he it add a... anything not really this is more skippable than the other ones, because at least they show some development of character. I don't know. This obviously develops him, but I don't know much about him anyway. Mm. So in real life, James Butler Hitchcock, well, Bill, he was a soldier on the frontier, a scout, a lawman, a gambler, a showman, and an actor. And he was like pretty notorious at the time for all the fabricated tales that he told about himself. Always fun. Yeah, and he was shot and killed in a poker game. <laughs> I like, like, but you said that there was actually no relationship. No, they just knew each other. They like lived in the same town. That was it. It feels like they did look at this plot halfway through and were like, hold on a second, this pushes the lesbian agenda. We can't have that. Yeah, basically. And they wrote in an ending mm-hmm. that was like, oh, hey, she's going to end up with Bill mm-hmm. and Katie's going to end up with Dan. Fine. It, it does feel tacked on. Yeah. So mo- most of his like career is said to have been completely exaggerated by both himself and movie makers and that in real life he had only killed six or seven men so not the 27 in specific gunfights isn't that the rule though like jewels that american pie 2 says is you take her number and multiply it by three you take her number and double it and you take his number and half it or something like, like divide that. Divide by five. You know, whatever. that's what this is. Is you've yeah. taken his number and you've times it by three, you know, Basically. and you've gotten the accurate number. So <laughs> Kalam takes Katie to her cabin, which she won in a poker game over Bill and shows it to her and has another moment of sort of instant horror yeah at what her life is like. Yeah. She says that she often just doesn't stay here, she just sleeps out. So when I made the comparison mm-hmm. between Shrek and Donkey and Katie and Kalam, mm-hmm. legit hadn't thought about that until we'd spoken on it. That was a live musing. Yeah. And you'd said nobody's ever made the comparisons between this film and Shrek before. Had you done it already? I had actually written a note here. Kalam's house is like Shrek's. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so that's twice I know, in this I feel episode. Like Shrek's is a bit fancier, actually, because he at least like. They're both in candles. the middle of a swamp. Yeah, but he has candles and he drinks wine and... She has a massive mud pit outside hers. She sits <laughs> and has jacuzzis in there. As we learn later. Yeah, and he's got his mud pits famously from, from the opening of Shrek. We mm-hmm. see him enjoying a bit of a relaxation in his mud tub. 
So she's all ready to take Katie back to the hotel. Yes. But Katie says she's going to stay. Mm. I like the bonding we have before the song where, you know, Katie Katie picked up on the tension yeah. between her and Bill. And she's like, well, what about you and Bill? And Kalam says, Bill's her best friend in the whole world. Probably the best friend she ever had, yeah. Yeah. And yes, instead of going back to the hotel, mm-hmm. Katie says, well, it's a bit of a fixer-upper. Let's fix it up together. Mm-hmm. And we get... And what better to fix it up with than a woman's touch? It's, it's yes. Uh, yeah. It's... Some of the lyrics in this are so good. Right, so, bearing in mind I said that she is dressed as Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. this sequence is funnier when you imagine it as a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Because mm-hmm. that's what this sequence essentially is. Mm-hmm. is let's sing a song and we'll make it a lot easier and and bang the job's done <laughs> however this is the one that's considered specifically really gay yeah because if you take into account that so far all the songs that have been sung by katie have been about sex yeah so it's how i'm going to marry so this one has got a woman's touch and it's about how a woman's touch can make anything good yes and specifically a woman's touch can quickly fill the empty flowers on the windowsill (laughs) (laughs) and such things it's great there are some awesome fades and tracking shots in this one so as she starts painting the door we zoom into the door and then Mm -hmm. we we pan out and the door's completely done and the door now has katie and kalam written on it and there's a fantastic like sense of how how much difference is there in the whole house mm-hmm. because the, the 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 planks look a lot more stable the windows have all, all been knocked down and we actually have glass yeah. yeah it's amazing and then we get another shot with like the flowers blooming mm-hmm. now how much time has passed that was my next question it seems like a lot of time has passed it's been like a day or two it's probably like a month they say it's been a few days since the hotel. Well, obviously, as we've learned from this song, women are magical. I think it is One more... One smile from her in Zoom, buds begin to bloom. I think it is that's definitely a sex, sex reference. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's definitely a case of Mm-hmm. When writing this, in their mind, time passed, but they forgot. Like, this is... They're written, having such a good time. What it is, is they've gone to Starbucks to write. And at this point, after they wrote this scene, mm-hmm. Starbucks shot. So they took their, their, their MacBook home. Mm-hmm. And then because work got in the way for a good month or so, they couldn't go back to Starbucks to write. Mm-hmm. And then they just started writing and they completely forgot that they'd established no months. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it, it does feel like noticeable that yeah. it feels like more time has passed than it actually has. Because apparently it's not long. Yeah. They say, well, gosh almighty, all at once, the cabin that we knew becomes a shiny castle just for two. Yes. And this is very gay. It's super gay. <laughs> As the producers it. say. Happy Pride Month. Keep it gay. Keep it gay. Keep it gay. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I really liked this sequence. I thought it was a lot of fun and I think it was a really wholesome, sweet sequence. And I really loved... Some of her outfits in this yeah, sequence. I oh loved God. Kalam's outfits. I think she looked phenomenal here. She maintained her calamity vibe mm-hmm. whilst also embracing something a little bit more feminine but made it work for her. She mm-hmm. didn't become overtly feminine 
she was yes. true to herself. That's still very her. Yes. I said to you when we were watching this, I definitely had a Barbie doll that looked like this, mm. and I managed to find a picture of nice. the same doll. So it was, Kalam is wearing, she's got her hair tied back with a bow, and she's got a checked shirt, and her, uh, what do they call them, breeches yeah. on. Breeches. With her boots. Yeah. And I had a Barbie doll who had the same hairstyle and wore a checked shirt with riding, uh, like, jodfers, and riding boots, and she came with a horse, and I was obsessed with this Barbie mm. doll because her knees bent. It was like the best <laughs> thing yeah, that could I happen had it with, with a doll. Figures that the second you got more articulation, it was just mm. a delight. I just remember my brother had a an action man. Yeah, he didn't have a name, did he? Action man was just action man, but you had some. Some of them had names. Yeah, so action man's knees didn't bend because action man had a racing car, but Barbie's knees bent and she had a horse. He had <laughs> knees that could bend, but they wouldn't bend in the traditional sense. You had to click them back click a few ones. bits. Yeah, which yeah, were never. The nice. one my brother had didn't even have that. It was just straight legs. Do you know, I'm getting vivid flashbacks to like playing with action man and like feeling like his calves. He had, like, fat calves. But also just, like, the way they felt was, like, really, like, synthetic skin. Mm-hmm. Ugh. That's a nasty flashback. But that Barbie was the best Barbie. And I got my hair cut into, like, a bob as a kid. And she was my favourite. And so you I cut her hair, her hair into, a into a bob. And instead of staying in a bob, like a normal person's, it turned straight upwards. And I'm pretty sure I still have her somewhere. <laughs> so at some point I will get out <laughs> gay Barbie. <laughs> Jane Barbie. She, she was the best. <laughs> So to Jane Barbie. We cut back to the hotel here and Lieutenant Dan has flowers for mm-hmm. Katie and Bill notices in it. In his jacket. They're yes. all like dead. Well, they're not at this point. They're, they're out and fresh at this point. And Bill starts racing. He abandons the poker game, start racing towards her. And yeah, I really like the, the, the horse racing sequence that, you know, it's a casual trot so until Lieutenant Dan catches up and then Bill breaks out. And yeah, I I didn't know who I wrote down. It seemed like Katie was more into Bill at this point. No, he's just more easily manipulated. No, he is more easily manipulated. And yeah, I really liked the rivalry between the two men at this point. They're both suckers. They will do anything she says. The female empowerment in this film is fantastic Mm. because it's like you're not getting anything, and you'll still do this for me. Fantastic. And it doesn't feel like they're actively pursuing them as sexual conquests. It feels very much like they have a connection on a deeper level. To me, it feels like this is a lady, this is what I'm supposed to be like. But but again, they're they're pursuing her in a different way. So it's Mm. very much, you know, she has all the power in this. I did, when I was doing my research for this, find a lot of things that talked about how Katie and Danny are educated people. Mm-hmm. They would have been schooled and Katie was working as a maid for a famous performer. Danny's a lieutenant. Yes. They yeah. would be educated more socially, like higher up the social ladder yeah. people and they end up together. And then you've got Kalam and Bill. And they definitely are, are more Uneducated suited, yeah. and are more suited for each other because they're uneducated. Yeah. Which is a super interesting little twist to this story. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, at this point, I really did feel that it was Kalam and Dan mm-hmm. and Bill and Katie. 
especially because we do get a sequence where Kate, you know, Katie sends Bill off to get firewood, and she refuses Dan's uh, advances because Kalam is into him, and she knows, it and she's like, "No, we can't," because she's my only friend, and I'm not doing that to her. Yeah. So it felt very much like she was pushing that agenda for them to be together. Mm-hmm. And however, it's about to turn into the plot of she's all that. Yeah. Well, I did say the two men are going to change their tones the second they saw Kalam. I never saw she's all that. So I don't know. It's the one that the thing in Not Another Teen Movie is based on. Okay. She's got her glasses and a ponytail. I don't like her. Yeah, you could never do her up. You could never turn her into the prom queen. Oh, let's draw straws for whose job it is to turn her into a woman. So this was the thing. is As gross as that is, I thought for sure there was going to be an element of... Because we've said how great Kalam looks at this point. And I thought for sure there was going to be a instant... Like now, instead of both men pursuing Katie, Katie. it's going to change. This, this plot kept keeping me guessing... And I love the fact that we, we then see that, you know, Kalam has pulled a Shrek and has enjoyed her a hot mud jacuzzi because she comes in covered in mud. And they can't even recognise how good she looks because it's just, oh, Kalam. That's what she's <laughs> like. Yeah. Clancy Kalam. So the, <laughs> the screw around here is that both men want to take Katie. They get into an argument about it before Calamity comes in. They draw straws and Danny draws the... The long straw, he wins. Yes. He gets to go with Katie. Yes. And Bill gets to go with Calamity. And when Calam comes in, they say they came to him. Well, she says, they. oh, you both came to invite me to this ball? That's so Katie sweet mentions of you. It. Yeah. It's so nice. Oh, but like, how am I supposed to choose? Because she's too nice to turn Bill down. Yeah. And she even says. Even she would prefer Danny. Yeah. She, she gives permission for him to take Katie. Yeah, she says to him, "Oh, please, please ask Katie. I know she'd just love to go to this ball with she's, us." She's. This is the thing, and this, he's like, "You're a nice girl, Clam." But this is why it's very Muppets for me. Is that there is literally no maliciousness. She's such a nice character, and it does make me feel very bad for her. But it would be malicious if she found out. Yeah. Which she doesn't, and no. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. So we get uh, the Black Hills of Dakota. And, you know... This song is like... It's an okay song. It wasn't offensive. It didn't... You know, I liked it. And I can imagine as an ensemble sequence on stage, this could be a lot of fun. But it didn't have... So one thing about Oklahoma that I remember is a really nice sequence as they were all going off to the party. Before she gets kidnapped by that one guy. Yes, but the scene as they're leaving felt very upbeat and like triumphant and fun. Mm -hmm. This didn't have that same kind of... This feels like a going home song. It's sad, you know. Mm, it's very somber. This this feels like where we should see the start of Kalam and Bill realizing that they actually love each other. This should be our kiss the girl moment. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like this ever kind of picks up the momentum as a sequence that it should. Although we are about to get two of my favorite things in this film. Yes. They arrive at the ball. Yeah. At the fall. But before that, I just want to say one of the things I loved was mm-hmm. that Kalam was driving. Oh, yeah, hilarious. <laughs> of course she was. Yeah. And they're in front of the rest of the party because yeah. you've got Bill and Kalam leading the way just in case. Yeah, and what I really liked was just how mellow she was. She didn't have her same eccentricities. It's like she knows this is a big occasion and she's calm. And it was nice. Mm-hmm. You know, good character development from her. She's not the same throughout. She's growing, but also keeping herself as she is, you know? 
Yeah. You know, I like it when characters have personal growth because everyone should have personal growth. I hate it when the personal growth is that you realise when you look in the mirror, everything's wrong. So let's, let's change that, you know? And In a fitting to the way that everybody else wants you to be. Kind yes, of way. exactly. Not a like, oh, this is wrong for me. Exactly, yeah. yeah, that yeah. She, you know, and, and I like that for her, she is still herself, but she's actually growing because she's becoming more mature. Mm-hmm. You know, she's growing up as a person. Like, you don't get the sense that after this, she'll lie about her conquests or Yeah, anything. she's becoming more emotionally mature. Yes, yeah. exactly. You know, this is the next stage in her... What is it that Alan Rickman says in her love actually to continue your emotional education that's what she's done (laughs) to quote like the worst reference i guess she's about to have her heart broken in the same way as love actually like except she isn't because she's just play acting but you know so we get to the ball and she gets her dance book which is the second this is the second musical we've watched where they've had a dance book yeah very exciting and to take her cape off because Bill's not a gentleman. Oh my god! This yeah. kind of annoys well, me. No, right. But this is because Bill's with Calam. She doesn't want that. She's not a lady. Yeah, he doesn't. If it was Katie, he'd have done it. Yes. But he so he doesn't help her. She takes her traveling. His back's to her, which is great. He, she takes her traveling cloak off, but in order to do it, she needs both her hands. So she puts a book in her mouth. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Then she hangs it up and she turns around. And she's looking at Bill like, "What are you doing?" And he turns around looks at her and then is like Kalam and like looks around to try and find her. It's a really nice, it is a nice moment where he's like, oh wow. Yeah, it's kind of cute. And it doesn't feel, maybe my perspective on this is wrong, it doesn't feel gross. It just feels like that's the moment where he's suddenly like, it's it's Jacob imprinting on Renesmee. (laughs) No, it's Granger Danger. Yeah, but that's what I mean. You know, it's that moment where he's like, it's suddenly like, Oh my oh, god, that's yeah. why I feel this way. Mm. And it's it's a really nice moment. It's not like he's mocking I mean, her. Or like... we could just love people the way they actually are, but sure. Yeah, yeah. I Although, know. we do get... To be fair, this is the only time we see Kalam looking like this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the most Katie she gets. Sure. And And the end, we do get the resolution where she's still very much... No, I'll talk about that when we okay, get to Okay, we'll end. talk about that. So, Kalam immediately looks amazing. All of the men at this ball want to dance with her, except for Danny. Yeah. Which is kind of sad. Because she saved usual, one for him. Yeah, she did. As usual, though, Kalam is having the best time. Yes. With all of her guy friends. Like a normal person. Not understanding that they're all like, wow. <laughs> yeah, and they're all soldiers, too. None of these guys are the guys from the town. Mm. And she's making jokes about how she'd need another couple of books to give them all a dance. They're all having a good laugh with her. Yeah. It's just good, friendly banter. Mm. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, Dan and Katie have retreated into the garden and are getting on like a house on fire. retreated to the fountain because we're at a ball and therefore we have to go outside to the fountain. He professes his love for her. And I love that her first response was, but what about Kalam? Yes. He tries to make violent love to her and she's not into it. Yeah. And she said, but, but what about Kalam? And he, oh, Dan is the closest thing to a villain in this. Yeah. He she can be a bridesmaid, villain. you know? Yeah, oh, God, that's so mean. It is Imagine, awful. like, and Katie's I, her best friend, right? And she's Katie's best friend. I don't think somebody could say this to you and get away with it. I don't like 
That he then kisses her. That Katie accepts that as, yeah, she could be. And is like, okay, let's go forward with this. I don't like it. And I, I completely understand However, Calam's betrayal. he kisses her. It's not like she lent into it. He, like, does the, the old Hollywood thing where he, like, grabs, not even her shoulders, like, the tops of her arms. Yes, but I still feel like the way Katie's been presented... She there, shouldn't have gone for There this. could be a moment of a hand up in the face... And go and find Kalam and talk about it. So it's it yeah. does mean she loses like good grace points. You know, she goes down a few steps. Yeah, I understand. Because it is a betrayal when it feels like she's been very much team Kalam. Like she ships them, and now she's suddenly like, "Yeah, she'll be a bridesmaid. Okay, I'll kiss you." Cool. cool. Uh, Kalam and Bill see the kiss, and you can pinpoint the exact moment both their hearts break. Sure. You know? wow. yeah. I feel like you get it from more from Kalam and less from him. He's kind of like... Yeah, Bill's he's kind his... of like, oh, I lost. Okay. But he's also like, I don't mind because kind of digging Kalam. But from her, it feels more painful, you know? Yeah. From him, it kind of in just the same feels way that... like he was in competition with this lieutenant and he was trying to make a point. Yeah. It... The thing is, this is first love. And presumably the first person Clams ever had romantic feelings for. Yeah. And maybe she's had romantic feelings before, but she's never kind of acted on But the first time she's felt like a reciprocation. One of my favourite things is that whenever they talk about Danny, everybody always calls him pretty. Mm. And... <laughs> well, thank you. Bill specifically says it in a way where it's like feminising. Yeah. He means it in a female way. Yeah. And like... She's super into Danny and then super into Katie. And it's like, hmm, the two prettiest people you know. She has a type, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. So she now hates Katie, which is a shame because, you know, Katie instantly then is like, no, but we do need to go have a talk. So I, I'm like, okay, you've gained a few more points back because you recognise what you're doing is wrong. And it does feel like she's very remorseful. And uh, Kalam shoots and runs. Yeah, she shoots the punch glass from her hand. Yeah. It's amazing. And runs. Mm -hmm. And seeing her cry felt... So that when they're back at the They get... The she cabin, takes the dress off because she's... Uh, he's a gentleman. He turns away. Mm-hmm. And she kind of insists on continuing Despite conversation. Despite the fact that she would look better than Adelaide Adams yes. in her underwear, obviously. Oh, yeah. But. Fun fact, she was wearing a backless dress at the ball. Yeah, and then. And her some... underwear covers her back. I know, I noticed that shot as well. And I thought <laughs> that was fun. When he leaves and you see her sob, that's painful. It's super real, yeah. And I the think it's. great. She's great, but I think it's a testament to what she's done with this character mm -hmm. that. I think it's so easy to see yourself as, as Calamity Jane. Yeah. That this feels very personal for you. Like, you are viewing the world through her gaze. Mm -hmm. And this is you sobbing. And I think because everyone can relate to that moment of heartbreak, be it unrequited love or actual, you know, someone's broken up, you can feel this moment. And because it's this character who's always been optimistic, loves life, not a care in the world, treats everyone well... Yeah. It hurts to see her broken like this. Mm. And yeah, really, really effective. And 
Yeah, we see that Francis is now Katie's double act. I like that, that he's got a successful career. Him and Katie are doing a reprise of It's Harry I'm Going to Marry. He's presumably now Harry. Nice little sequence. Yeah, it's really funny. They've got a double act now. And then Kalam storms in. She doesn't want her Sasper really. Mm. And she just says, Katie, you need to get out of town. Mm-hmm. And she goes to have her drink now. And Katie goes to shoot. And there's a weird thing as you see Bill with his gun looking on. And you see the gu- the glass smash and everyone's like, wow, Katie, you're a real badass. Who needs Calamity Jane when we have Katie? Yeah. You're beautiful and good with a weapon. And Calamity Jane walks off and is very much like, oh, I don't have anything anymore. I've lost everything. Mm-hmm. And Bill is, like, saying the same kind of thing. He's like, you you dropped yourself to her level. You're better than this. You're Calamity Jane. And you, you sunk to her level. And I'm disappointed in you because I expected more from you. Yeah, she sa- he says that she's made a fool out of herself. And not only that, she's let Katie make a fool out of her. And she helped. Yes. Like, she let that happen. And then we cut back and we see that there's actually a hole in, like... Katie actually shot. Katie actually shot and missed. And it's very... I'd already already knew that it was Bill that had shot. Yeah, we were shown that it was Bill. But it was quite a nice way to go back to it. And they get this moment where they're talking and Kalam says that, you know, for the first time in her life, she kind of knew what she wanted from life. Mm -hmm. And she wanted a family with Lieutenant Dan. Bill says, for the first time in my life, I knew what I wanted. And that was a family with Katie. So, of course, they kiss. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. You're a man, I'm a woman, why not? It feels so sudden. Random and out of nowhere. This is Romeo and Juliet. This is, I love Rosaline. I'll never love anyone but Rosaline. Rosaline's the only one for me. Oh, hey, Juliet, let's get married. (laughs) Rosaline's in the corner like, (laughs) woohoo. Freedom. It's very sudden. And again, I feel like we've just missed maybe one or two more scenes that could have just hinted mm-hmm. that there was I said with their song they're always going to end up together but there's just something it feels like you've gone A M Q Z you know and we've missed out a lot of the alphabet yeah she actually seems a lot happier she seems a lot happier with Bill than she ever was with the idea of yeah. Lieutenant Dan so supposedly she realises that She's always been in love with Bill and that what she was doing with Dan was performative and in an effort to seem uh, worthy of a man's love so that uh, Bill would pay attention to her. Like, sure, fine. And is that the plot of Secret Love? Yeah, basically. You said you don't like this song. I feel like it happens in the wrong place. If this happened before... Right, so, Clam and... Bill is sat talking and she starts, She they're talking about, you know, what they want from life. And she says, well, it would all be different if I could have been with the one person I'd wanted. But I always felt like I would settle for Danny. Right? Yeah. And he's like, well, who did you want? And then she sings Secret Love. And then 
as she's singing it, she's looking at him and he's realizing how in love with her he is and she's basically confessing to him and then they kiss at the end. I would be okay with it there. But we have them kiss, then the next day she's suddenly in really clean clothes out of nowhere and then she like takes her horse on a little jog down to the creek and then sings Secret Love, but it's not a secret anymore. No. This is an okay song. I, it's very pretty. I, it's a very pretty song, and I feel like this, I mean, this is an Oscar-winning song. Yeah. And it's certainly a big set piece and a big number, but I don't think it's the best song in this. Mm-hmm. It was okay. The sentiment behind it was nice. I I like more, I guess, the backdrop to the song. You know, so... I like that even now she's embraced her more feminine side. She is still herself. Yeah. You know, she's not wearing petticoats and dresses. I, I, I like her costume at this point. I like the movement sequence. You know, the horse gets bored waiting... So she promptly moves on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. As a song, it just didn't feel like it hit the big moments it should have, you know? Yeah. So she gets back to town and everyone's angry because Katie left. Of course, she she knows she's not wanted anymore. And we see the note that she left Lieutenant Dan saying, it's like, you clearly love Kalam. Kalam loves you. I'm leaving so you two can be together. And Dan's very, very angry. It's like, I loved her. I never love you. And she's like, it's fine because I love someone else. Mm-hmm. And she, <laughs> I love that she made a big deal about putting her horse away in the stables and just steal someone else's horse yeah. to rush off. Why show her ride here on her horse, who is very pretty? A very pretty horse. And then not have her ride it in the last scene. Yes. Also, this is the one shot where you can really see that it's a male stunt double that rides the horse. I love that, you know, she's in such a rush to go and stop Katie. Mm -hmm. But there's enough time to kiss Bill on the way. Yeah. (laughs) I do like that. And yeah, she chases after Katie and she manages it. I really like the the sweeping shots. Yes, it's a stunt double, but I really like the scope of it and the landscape of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she catches up to the stagecoach and Katie's very negative, you know, and, and Kalam says, no, 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 no. I love Bill. You can have Dan. Please come back. We want you in town. I want you back. Yeah. And yeah, we get a jewel wedding. Yeah. And a nice triumphant ending. Yeah. And we end the movie with Kalam in her most feminine outfit. Yeah, her wedding dress. Which, considering they then make a joke about how she has her gun holster on, it's just not my favourite thing. Yeah. It takes away from everything we've got about her. Like, why put her in that really nice, clean outfit with the hat if that's not... Or just a white version. Just a white version Mm. would be great. I I, I do see what you mean. It's it's the most kind of, like, her her, her transformation is complete now. Yeah. And it's a shame that this is the way we leave the character when we have, you know, her costume through Secret Love be so fantastic Mm -hmm. that, you know, she needs to be, like... Miley Stewart and accept the best of both worlds. Yeah. 
it is a shame that this is the way we end her, but at least you feel like she's happier. She's emotionally grown mm-hmm. while still having the same, I guess, values. It's a shame that her visual representation probably doesn't best represent her actual character. Yeah, I agree. But that was Calamity Jane. Mm-hmm. What was your best song? Mm, it's between... See, now that I'm looking at the list, it's between all of them. I love Whip Crack Away, the yeah. Deadwood Stage song. Yeah. I love Just Blue from the Windy City. Those are songs that are in my head always. They're both equally good. Yeah. But I have to say that probably I can do without you. Okay. Just because it's one of those ones. I like, did not think that would be up there for you, I have yeah, to say. It's funny, isn't it? But I love those sort of overacting y like big character songs. Mm. And I think that's a really good one. Yeah, and it's a nice duet sequence as and well. Controversially, I prefer it to anything you can do, I can yeah. do better. For me, I'd said my best song was A Woman's Touch. I think it was a, I think it was a great it's sequence. It's so good, isn't it? I, I, I think the sequence great, the the uh, music was great. It, it just had a really lovely atmosphere to it. I've already told you my skip song is Hive Full of Honey. Mm-hmm. I know you've already told me your skip song is... Higher Than a Hawk. I could also say Higher Than a Hawk is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're... For, for me, I think Higher Than a Hawk is just a weak song. I think my issue, like I said, with Hive Full of Honey is you take it out of the context of this and we potentially have a really bad recording that I would not want to listen to where you've got a shaky yeah. actor. That's true. I don't... I think... No, yeah. For me, it's Higher Than a Hawk or Black Hills of Dakota. They're both slower songs. They're both not not a whole lot is happening. Mm. And if they came on out of context, I would be like, no. I don't want to take away from his singing because he's a great singer. Oh, yeah, for sure. Lovely voice. Very, very smooth voice. And I could hear the other roles. An amazing performer. Yeah, you could hear the roles you told me he'd been in. You Mm -hmm. You could hear that. And it's a shame that such a talented singer has kind of such a weak moments. Yeah. But I just love all the little vaudeville songs in this show. So I, High Full of Honey, It's Harry and Planning to Marry and Keep It Under Your Hat. I just find so funny. But also I currently have a playlist full of like bard mm. songs. And I feel like these fit into that kind yeah. of category where I'm like, this is really funny. This is something my like D&D bard would sing to entertain people yeah yeah i could see that mm-hmm. it feels a nice little niche for me i think your mvp and the role you'd want to play this uh, the role you want to play are the same person obviously calamity jane obviously yeah my mvp is, is calam i think doris day is absolutely phenomenal this is the first time i've seen doris day perform yeah she's she's phenomenal and i want to see more of her cv based off this mm-hmm this is the thing, right? My casting type is the sort of quirky best friend character. Yes. I'm funny. <laughs> like, that's the the girl that I get cast as is the, like, decom best friend style yeah. character who doesn't really get any character development. They just make you laugh. This is the first film I ever saw where that character is the main character. And gets some development. And gets character development and gets a romance plot. With a girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, I would like to be Calamity Jane, please. I still have my role as blank. Mm. 
I don't want to be, I think on reflection, I don't want to be one of the leading men. No. I don't think their characters are interesting. Your choice is Henry Miller or Francis Fryer. I, I was, I, I think, as we've spoken, my decision has been to be Francis. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I'm not a petty performer that I don't want the main role. I feel disappointed that it's a role that doesn't have more to it because I feel like there is more opportunities for him. Mm-hmm. And that's a disappointment. But I feel like it's the same for all the male characters, which is great. I mean, that's basically been <laughs> your experience nice for, me, yeah. for every show we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say Francis is, is the role I'd want to play mm-hmm. in this one. Nice. So, over on Instagram, 89% of people said yes, they are a fan, with only 11% of people saying no. So overwhelming support over on Instagram. On Twitter, I was quite pleased with my uh, my captions for this one. Mm-hmm. We had yes, whip crack away. Yep. It's okay, not special. And no, I can do without. I was very pleased with those. So 16% said it's just okay. Yep. 19% said no, I can do without. 65% again, overwhelming you know, very nearly a third of votes basically said, yes, whip crack away. Yeah. At Theatre Flashback 1, so Theatre Flashback said, love this film, wish there was a full film soundtrack. This Doris Day recording has a few dings, but not direct from soundtrack. Mm-hmm. There are great songs in this film. When I saw a stage production, the audience all started singing during Black Hills of Dakota with no prompting or invitation. That's adorable. I know. Do you remember when... Maybe that would have made me like it. Do you remember when Cats came out and you showed me there was everyone in the, the best cinema singing Mr. Mistopheles? Yeah. I would love to be part of something like that. Like... You know, where you just go and everyone does it. Not like the Rocky Horror Picture Show where you expect it, mm-hmm. where it just happens organically. Although I saw the, the a thing the other day that was saying that we need a Rocky Horror style situation for Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. Where you like get props and things during the movie and you throw things at the screen and shout at characters and stuff. On a very similar but not the same thing. Yeah. Musicals with Cheese posted a fantastic like drinking game for Mamma Mia. Oh, yeah. Which I think is guaranteed to get you drunk very, very quickly. Probably. Uh, Theatre Flashbacks concludes by saying, I love the performances of Alan and McCleary and Dick Wesson as Katie Brown and Francis Fryer underrated. And mm-hmm. I'd agree with that one. Me too. At Spy Hards, Spy Hards podcast said, I was introduced to this by my better half and Doris Day nailed it. I agree. At we underscore Westy 27 simply said, oh, I'm ready for the Deadwood stage. And then friend of the podcast, Ray, host of Not Before Coffee. And you can listen to our conversation with Ray about the slipper and the rose on It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast episode two, said yet another favourite. And I know that this was, it was a toss up on It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast for Ray to talk about either Calamity Jane mm-hmm. or The Slipper in the Rose. Yet another favourite, though not quite up there with The Slipper in the Rose, this is one that I can probably recite most of without thinking about it. The minute I read this post, I had the ballad in my head. Doris Day and Howard Keel are the best in this. She's an amazing leading lady, which she certainly is. 
and she has recommended some additional viewing for me uh, to, to continue my Doris Day education. Yes, indeed. When we started recording this, mm -hmm. I had given this the same score as Hannah Montana, the movie of three and a half stars. But I do think talking about this, which is why I love that we have some time to reflect and, and, and everything before we actually record. This is a four star film for me. Yeah. I had a lot of fun and I think she is so brilliant in this. I think I lose a star because there's just not the development of every character that I would like. Yeah. So four stars for Calamity Jane. Woohoo! Excellent. What are we going to watch next week? We have some options. Cool. So we could do, it's been over a year since we watched Into the Woods. We could watch the original cast, a filmed production of the original cast of Into the Woods. Okay. Or we could do Twisted, which is a Starfield <sighs> production. Right. Both are fairy tales. I, similar vibes. I desperately want to do both. <laughs> However, I'm going to say Twisted. Mm -hmm. simply because a lot of stuff on YouTube has come up for me and I've seen a lot of, like, twisted, like, videos. And it's oh, just... it's spoiling things for you. Well, it's not... I've not seen any spoilers, so I've remained spoiler-free, but it mm -hmm. has made me desperate to watch it. Cool, we'll do Twisted so then. I think I'm hyped. we'll do Twisted, <laughs> if that's show. okay. You have said to me that you really like to do In the Heights. Yes, if we so, can see it in the cinema. We can, because two cinemas... This is live discussion. <laughs> yeah. I've checked our two Odeons. Cool. And it's at both. Mm -hmm. Certainly on the 18th, 19th, 20th. Awesome. So next week we'll do Twisted, and the week after, do In the Heights. And then, maybe the week after, mm -hmm. if we still have access, if it's still live... Stage production of Into the Woods. For sure. Sounds good. Absolutely. So that's the next three we weeks. Lineup. We have a lineup. <laughs> awesome. It's been quite weird. It's been wilderness because all through April and May, basically this whole year, we have had a lineup. We've had a program. Mm -hmm. And you didn't know about Hannah Montana the movie for obvious reasons, mm -hmm. but we didn't have a plan post Hannah Montana the movie. You just came up with Calamity Jane because we found the DVD yep. and you thought, great, we'll do that. It's Funnily enough, it was also accessible to watch online, but... Because sometimes it's nice to have physical media. I know. I'm so it's quite exciting to have a lineup again. I know. Get great. Hyped. So... If you have enjoyed this conversation, you can add to it over on Twitter and Instagram. You can let us know your thoughts on Calamity Jane. Is there anything that I didn't get that you want to defend? Is there anything you'd like to add? Is there anything you'd like to argue with me? Perhaps I'm, I, I completely got it wrong. So let me know, get involved in the conversation. And you can, of course, let us know your thoughts on Twisted. If you are a star kid, as we know many of you are, mm -hmm. Get involved in the conversation, watch out for our polls, and make sure you tell me what you think of Twisted. You can, of course, email us on itsamusicalpodcast at gmail.com, and you can find us at a range of good podcast hosts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app under the Podcasts section, on Stitcher, and on Podbean, to name but a few. 
And if you like what we do, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on podchaser.com because reviews make us happy. Mm-hmm. And what is life if we are not happy? Yes, indeed. I hope you've enjoyed our episode covering Calamity Jane. We will be back next week, same back place, same back channel for Twisted. Mm-hmm. And have a magical musical Monday. <laughs>